Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. My guest today is Stephanie Rothstein. She's a professional marathoner for Adidas and co-founder of Picky Bars. After cutting gluten from her diet, her running took a dramatic turn for the better. Stephanie dropped 11 minutes in her marathon PR going from 240 to 229. Stephanie, thanks so much for being part of the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. So tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get into running in the first place? Sure. Um, probably when I was uh, in middle school or even a little younger, just uh, my dad kind of always encouraged me to run. And it's not like he really forced me into it, but he just kind of, he had a little running background. So he thought maybe I would enjoy it. And then um, then into grade school, into high school, I I like joined the cross-country team, but I honestly wasn't even sold on the sport. I was like, this is punishment for people. <laughs> and um, I lived in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, which was super hot. Um, and so that even, that made running even worse because I was like, well, why am I running when it's 100 degrees out? But that was just something you did, um, you know, obviously when you lived there. Uh-huh. And then, yeah, I just had a lot of encouragement uh, from my mom throughout high school. And then actually my dad passed away in my senior year of high school. And I think part of that kind of changed my perspective on running. And it, it kind of turned from, um, oh, this is a task that I have to do to like running became a gift. And then I kind of started to realize it was all about um, what you put into it mentally, you know, and physically exactly what you got back out and it was so different than many other sports where you're either just born you know talented or you have a certain skill for a certain sport um and running was different you can make it however you wanted and then and then I was hooked into it so when at what age did you did you figure out that you were pretty good at this sport um this year no just kidding um, <laughs> it's, it's hard to say because it's all relative to where you're at I think um you know when I my junior year of high school I was starting to run times that were pretty decent times that like maybe I'd be able to run um in college you know, on the scholarship. Um, but I think I'd run like a 528 mile in my junior year. And then after my dad passed away, and like I said, something kind of changed in me. Um, I had a big, big breakthrough in my senior year of high school, and I ended up running 458 in the mile. And I think that kind of changed my perspective of thinking, okay, like I could go on to run in college. And then thinking about, wow, could I be an All American? And that was kind of like a top honor to get um, when you're in college at the highest level you can get. Um, and yeah, and I ended up being two time All American when I went to UC Santa Barbara. And then that showed me that maybe I could make a career out of it and possibly make an Olympic team one day. So it was just kind of systematic um, steps, you know, along the way, but a lot of um, big dreams and goals that came along with it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've had uh, a few missteps along the way. You found out that you actually have celiac disease. What time did that occur and how did you figure that out? Yeah, um, that diagnosis came in the beginning of 2010. Um, What happened when I graduated college, I I tried to start a professional career and I thought I could run um, post-collegiately, but for about two and a half years, I was sick and injured um, and like my weight was really low and my iron levels were low and I kept getting injured and we had no idea why. Um, it's kind of like no matter what I did, I could supplement iron till my um, like veins were red, um, and I 
We tried to see like a bunch of doctors to get treatment on all my like hamstring and back, but nothing seemed to work. Like every time I'd get treatment, nothing stuck. And so, I, you know, I went through, I would say, a really dark period of my life where I, I was semi-depressed, didn't really know what to do. Um, one day, you know, I thought like, I'm going to make it, I'm going to come back and have a great career and the next day I'd be like I think I'm going to school and be a lawyer and the next day I wanted to have a baby so yeah it was my poor boyfriend at the time it was crazy <laughs> but um, yeah then I just um, started uh, prodding around finding different doctors and trying to seek out answers and I was lucky enough to find a naturopath who helped me and he put me on an elimination diet and he's like have you ever thought about food allergies and yeah. I, back in 2010 like that was almost as funny as it is only three years ago it was still relatively unheard of that like you could actually have a reaction um, in your body from food and um, but that was that was all that it was for me and uh, yeah and then I got that diagnosis in April 2010. So had you gone to conventional doctors prior to going to the naturopath? Had um, you ever had like a, a test done to see if you reacted a blood test? Yeah I, I hadn't had a blood test but I had different things like in college because I had low iron I had some like started to be gross but I had like blood in my school at the time and so mm-hmm. we were like well that's not normal so at like a very I think I was 21 or 22 I had like a colonoscopy be an endoscopy and that's super weird they were like you're the youngest patient we've ever had to have something like that you know mm-hmm. um and so i got those tests but still nothing came nothing was positive in there so it just it was all these like mystery phantom tests and nothing nothing proved real but honestly the easiest one was students are like take gluten out of your diet and when i did it was unbelievable like, mm. the change it made so i'm like i don't need uh, like another test to actually tell me i have a problem it was yeah. easy as not eating it right so what what yeah. was that eliminated diet like that you went on? Um, that was pretty brutal. That was like about four to five weeks where you not only took out gluten, but like a big allergy. So it was gluten, dairy, soy, um, and then you take out like red meat, sugar, peanut butter, um, uh, gosh, what is it, like nightshades, tomatoes, a bunch of food. Um, and so at first it was just mentally challenging because you just you lose a lot of energy and your body's like, how do I function off, you know, like not very many things to eat. Yeah. But then uh, scary, like, like probably two weeks later, I I was like, but I actually feel good. Like I, I had more energy. I didn't wake up feeling like I was hungover every day. And um, I was like, there's got there's something to this. And then what they did is you slowly bring like a big suspect back in, like you bring gluten back in, you bring dairy back in a couple of days at a time. And it was like immediate. As soon as I brought it back in, I went right back into the symptoms I had. So as challenging as it was, it was absolutely worth it. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. So I've heard yeah. of like elimination diets where you'll just drink like a, like a chicken broth soup or something and then you'll start adding things back was it something like that yeah it was, i mean I, I was able to eat a couple more things i could have like vegetables um just plain skinless chicken gosh what could i have rice just kind of like very outside um, whole whole foods like outside the perimeter if you would say in the supermarket mm-hmm. um the chicken broth i think i would like i would have died <laughs> that would have been, like, <laughs> you can only you know how many calories could that be a day but right. uh, the chicken i mean that makes sense because pretty pure but it was really just probably five or seven different foods that i could have okay and you did that for yeah. a few weeks and then i after... did that for four to five weeks okay okay yeah so you yeah. mentioned that you were low on iron and you were suffering injuries what what kind of symptoms if people might be hearing this and 
and have similar symptoms, yeah. what should they look for? Sure, yeah. Um, what I kind of say, like, generally, if people just have a general feeling of, like, they're tired in life or they um, either wake up feeling groggy, well, that's not normal. That's not like, oh, I haven't had my coffee. Oh, I'm working too much. Like, you should generally feel pretty good in life, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like, regardless of kind of lack of activities you do. So the whole iron just felt like, yeah, getting off the couch, like, was a task or going out to run errands. Um, and since I was obviously trying to run, it felt a lot harder. Um, you know, like things while I was training, it was like shortness of breath, um, unable to complete something that would be a totally easy 40-minute run for me just felt like the hardest workout ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, uh, yeah, just things like you just shouldn't settle for, oh, well, this is just how I feel in life. That should yeah. never, never be true. Um, is low iron, is that common for it someone is common. sensitive yeah, to gluten? Okay. Yeah, what, it, what actually happens is when someone just has a food they're reacting to, um, the body inside is like literally attacking itself and so all they're doing is, is a malabsorption of nutrients. So no matter what you put in your body the good, it's not going to let you absorb that and iron is like one of the big sources that we need. So even if you're, like I said, if you're supplementing with iron or you get a ton of red meat or leafy green vegetables, you could eat that, you know, like essentially blue in the face but you're not even going to absorb it. Up cake is going to be completely blocked just because you're eating something that's almost canceling that out. Yeah. That yeah. yeah. Well, that, that must have been great to finally figure out what was what was wrong? What do you eat now? Um, good question. Yeah, and actually, since that diagnosis, I've had a couple more allergies pop up. And that's probably the hardest part about celiac is if you, however long you don't know that you've had it, it just damages your intestinal lining. So it actually like flattens the they call it the villi mm-hmm. um, in your intestines. So then you can start becoming allergic to just lots of different things. And the big one, um, I became allergic to dairy. And then eggs and soy. Um, the soy's not that problem. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of that. But dairy and eggs, obviously, balance because they're great versus the protein and fat stuff. Um, what I typically eat now is I would say a bunch of rice, potatoes, potatoes, um, all types of veggies, all fruit. I eat a lot of um, red meat. I um, eat a lot of bacon. Actually, people are really surprised about that, but <laughs> I eat a ton of bacon. Um, and it, it, my general rule of thumb is I don't avoid anything that I'm not allergic to okay. <laughs> because I'm so limited with my allergies, like I'll try to eat whatever I can, beans, avocados, you know, dark chocolate. Um, yeah, pretty much everything that I can eat, I'm allergic to, I'll eat. Okay. And piggy bars, of course. <laughs> yeah. How, how did you find out that you were allergic to uh, soy and eggs as well? Um, yeah, that was kind of just over time. Um, a lot of times what happens to people when they have celiac, initially they'll feel good. Maybe their first four to six months, like their stomach will be like, oh, this is much better. But then they almost relapse and um, you try to figure go, well, what, what am I eating? Am I still eating gluten? But you kind of search out, like, the first thing that happens is people become dairy intolerant, um, and it was really just trial and error. Since I knew what elimination diet was like to get to find out about gluten, I just did the same thing. I was like, all right, let me look at my diet and see, like, what could be stuff at. And when I, like, took out those, the dairy, and then I took out eggs, I was like, crap, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, I was smart enough to know, like, how to do it again, and um, I hope I don't keep doing it, but um, that's the best way to try to narrow down what you think you eat all the time and if you're still having problems, odds are if you take that out, you might find something out. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. You mentioned there that you eat a lot of bacon. Are you concerned about the, the fat that's in bacon? I know a lot of runners you know, try to eat lean, but how does that work for you? Yeah, for me, it, and I, maybe I'm not the best model for it, but it's because I run so much. You know, on, on average, I run between 80 to 100 miles a week. And like, honestly, then I go to the gym a few times doing strength training. Um, it, it's tough for me to actually keep calories in and keep weight on because I just burn so much that, you know, we know my heart is obviously really efficient. So it's, it, in my opinion, it's like bacon and that cholesterol of fat is the worst thing I'm eating. And as a whole, I think, no, that it's totally fine. It doesn't make me like not have energy or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. I personally can afford it. So it never really. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, like I don't, when I say I eat a lot, I don't have it every day. It's not like a, okay, no, you're definitely having that. It's, you know, maybe two or three times a week, which might be more than the normal person, but it definitely okay. doesn't, doesn't hurt me. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned something there a few minutes ago, uh, picky bars. What you can't, you and, uh, Lauren Fleshman came, came up with idea, this idea to start making energy bars. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, it's um, it's Lauren Wilson and then her husband, Jesse Thomas. Um, he's actually our CEO of the company. So at the at the time, um, Jesse, he's a professional triathlete and he was having gluten intolerance as well. It's like not celiac, but definitely an intolerance. And um, I had just met Lauren in 2008 and she's like, hey, I'm trying to, um, I'm kind of tinkering around the kitchen making some recipes for energy bars which Jesse could have them on a long bike ride. And she's like, I've eaten so many bars out there. I'm just tired of what they think like. And a lot of them don't have like real food in them. They're kind of fillers, you know, maybe like soy protein or just different things that um, isn't just real food. So she's like, I kind of want like a real food bar, a real food bar that's balanced for sports. And then we were looking for that um, four to one carb protein protein ratio because that's really good post. Um, post-exercise and then also it's just good in your bloodstream um, you know when you you won't have a big sugar um, spike or anything like that or crash and so she just invited me over to the kitchen and I started messing around making them with her and we kind of first like made them into like little balls, ball shaped um, bars, and we let friends try them. And they're like, "These are really good. You need to sell these." Mm-hmm. And we had no intention of like making a business out of it. But one day we just sat down and she googled how to make how to start a um, food energy bar company from your kitchen. And honestly, <laughs> next thing um, led to another. We looked up kind of like it, how to become an LLC, and um, and then Jesse came on board. He had just gotten his MBA at Oregon, and so he he kind of had the, the knowledge of maybe a little more business sense than we did. But we definitely had a um, the platform for it and it gave us something to do when we were both injured and trying to get our running careers going. Yeah, no, we wow. one company and it just it's been awesome. It's become oh. like a picky nation that's taken over. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about your running. I know you just ran uh, Grandma's Half Marathon uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota. How did you like Minnesota? Oh, it was great. Um, yeah, I've run there. I've run in Minnesota um, one, one or two other times, and it's just a great running community because they they get it, and there's a lot of support there. Um, and then, yeah, since what Grandma did is they've made the bid for the U.S. Championship. So it's technically not the Grandma's, like, not actually the Grandma's Half or the Gary Bjorklin, but it's, like, our own U.S. Championships within that um okay. race. and so yeah it, it was just a great atmosphere and they that race was an amazing job organizing and making you feel welcome mm-hmm. how's the yeah. how's the humidity coming from arizona up to minnesota yeah. was that a big change for you yeah um, you know it was actually a pretty perfect day um it was like 50 degrees and um calm winds and like a little foggy so i actually i didn't feel the humidity that much considering like i've run in new york the summer and a couple of places like that that humidity <laughs> for sure so yeah it wasn't 
not bad, but I know it can get can get pretty hot and humid. Right, right. So, yeah. what has it been like for you moving up to the marathon and longer just distance events? Um, it was, you know, it's kind of a natural progression for me. We since I ran the ten thousand in college. I think sometimes your body just tells you what, what you're going to be good at, what event. Um, you know, some people take a long time in their career to figure out what they're going to do, but it was kind of just an easy transition for me. You tell by workout, I would do a bell on long cap runs, not, you know, strength of marathon running. Mm-hmm. I think that get my feeling down and all that, that the marathon definitely going to be my event. So, yeah, it's a really easy transition for me. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll ever go longer than a marathon, like an ultra? Uh, yeah, I've been asked that before. You know, part of me is tempted because I be you know, a couple of like 50 mile or 100 mile um, races. And I have heard that as women, like get, as you go longer, and this is women actually get closer to men in their ability to like uh, finish, you know, time because we can, I think, I don't know what it is, like we metabolize that um, better when it comes to longer distance. So part of me is good, but then the other part of me is like, no, I think I'll stay with the marathon until, I, until, I, until I'm not fast enough. <laughs> but hopefully so that never happens. Is, is that your main focus right now, marathon then? Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely don't ignore the shorter stuff summer again um, our whole goal is to run some you know 10k up to half marathon distance in preparation for this all and that way we will you know get all the shorter stuff and kind of you can just run more races that are shorter distances you know I, I can only run one or two really big marathons a year mm-hmm. so I'm able to um, get a lot of race experience with the shorter stuff and you know you never want to get away from that because you need you simply need that beat where it translates to the marathon okay so how do you go about training for such a wide variety of events um you know it's a my husband, Ben Bruce, he's actually my coach and he just kind of has a, a general approach or a mixed bag approach to training where you need to kind of hit every system um, every couple of weeks so you don't really want to focus on one type of workout all the time and you know sometimes you might sit down and look at the schedule on one week uh, you know I'll have a leg speed workout in the beginning of the week which might be instead of 200 and 400 and then the next workout will be a you know 6 to 10 mile tempo run followed by a 18 or 20 mile long run that weekend so you're essentially hitting up all systems um, um, and then every couple of weeks, you have to kind of, uh, depending on what event you actually are getting ready for, you might be more specific. So if I was getting ready for a 10K, you know, I might be something like five to eight hard kilometers on the track versus if I was getting ready for a half marathon, I might do, uh, you know, two, four times two mile repeat, stuff like that. But okay. in general, you just want to kind of hit everything every week. Okay. So now that yeah. you finally got your diet figured out, how do you stay injury free? Is that, has that been a problem since you've recovered? You know, no, I am not. I've been knocking wood. I've been pretty fortunate to, um, you know, once I have the diet under control and a big part of staying healthy has been my increase in my strength training program. Um, and my doctor, John Ball, um, he's a chiropractor down in Phoenix, Arizona. He teamed up with um, one of his friends, the strength trainer, Tim O'Neill, Tim O'Neill down in Iowa, and they just developed based on you know, doing some testing on me. They developed a big strength program for me about two years ago and uh, two to three times a week I'm in the gym I'm doing all that ancillary work and I think that that's a big part that has kept me healthy because it just strengthens like the tendons and ligaments and then I'm able to just be able to do more running and you know recover from workouts and then honestly my life is devoted to recovering so it's all a blend of getting nine hours of sleep and um, yeah being strong kind of as a distance runner okay so what do you have coming up next Um, so this Sunday actually is the Falmouth Road Race 
race, and that's out in Boston, um, Falmouth, Massachusetts. Um, that's a really cool race. It's a seven mile that starts from in Woods Hole, and it runs um, along the water to Falmouth. And that'll kind of end my summer racing series. And then my marathon plans this fall, um, I'm going to be doing the U.S. Championship Marathon, which is Twin Cities. Oh, great. You obviously know. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. October 6th. So that'll be my big focus of fall. Okay. Well, yeah. where can where can people go to find out more about you and to uh, follow you online? Yeah, um, so they can go to, um, I have a website, it's stephandbenbruce.com, and then you can follow me on Twitter, on Steph underscore Rossing, and then we also have a um, Twitter handle, Steph and Ben D, that's for the website, and of course, um, obviously Picky Bars, we have our Picky Bars website, um, at Picky Bars on Twitter, and yeah, that's pretty much where you can find out what's going on. Okay, well great, Stephanie, it's been been such a pleasure speaking with you and thanks so much for being part of the show yeah thanks for having me i really appreciate it you've been listening to another episode of paleo runner podcast for more information go to paleorunner.org thanks for listening